Hello and welcome to Words of Wisdom, a podcast dedicated to reflecting on the wisdom of the Book of Proverbs. Your host is Dr. Jerry Weirwall, who will share life-giving truth from Proverbs that will help us become wise and discerning. Wisdom is a journey, and we hope you will join us for this exciting adventure. Proverbs 26.12 says, Do you see a person who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The structure of the Hebrew poetry in this proverb may be more difficult to apprehend than others. The absence of a conjunction between the two lines in the couplet makes the logic of the parallelism not that easy to detect. But since we can identify that the final pronoun in the second line must be referring to the person mentioned in the first line, we can deduce that this proverb is using synthetic parallelism. Now, in the first line, a question is posed to the reader. Do you see a person who is wise in his own eyes? The purpose of this question is not to evaluate the circumstances of the reader as to whether they are in the company of such a person. Therefore, the question is not looking simply for a yes or no answer. The question's purpose is rhetorical. It is meant to elicit in the mind a particular type of person that the proverb intends the reader to consider. And the certain type of person that is to be brought to mind and in focus here is the person who is wise in his own eyes. We can discern from the condemnatory tone of the second line that to be wise in one's own eyes is a negative characteristic and therefore cannot be taken as referring to a wise person who recognizes that they have wisdom. Rather, it points to a person who thinks they have wisdom, but their self-evaluation is subjective and in error. The proverb is referring to a person who, in their own estimation, views themselves as being knowledgeable and having good understanding. But even more than that, the phrase implies that the person is arrogant, self-reliant, and infatuated with their own opinions. They see themselves as having all the answers and not being willing to listen to others or to recognize their own limitations and weaknesses. Proverbs calls other people wise in their own eyes as well, such as the lazy person, often referred to as the sluggard. Just a few verses later in the book of Proverbs in chapter 26, in verse 16, it says, a lazy person is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer with good judgment. The book of Proverbs also describes the rich person that way as well. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 11, it says, a rich person is wise in his own eyes, but the poor person with understanding sees right through him. And furthermore, while the language is not exactly the same, the idea presented in Proverbs chapter 28 verse 26 is very similar, which says, The person who trusts in his own heart, he is a fool, but the one who walks in wisdom, he will be delivered. Lastly, in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, it says, The road of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise person listens to counsel. Now, the interesting question we must ask about Proverbs chapter 26, verse 12, is why it says in the second line that there is more hope for a fool than for the person who is wise in his own eyes. I thought the fool was a person who saw himself as always being in the right, trusting in his own heart, and was like the self-content sluggard and the rich person who trusts in himself. Well, first, we need to know what sort of hope 
the proverb is talking about? And secondly, what does it mean that there is more hope for a fool than for the person who thinks himself to be wise when he is not? The hope that the proverb is referring to is the hope of recognizing and learning wisdom. But the book of Proverbs has made it quite clear that fools don't and won't listen to wisdom. Thus, the logic of the proverb can be interpreted one of two ways. First, the second line can be functioning as a hyperbole to show the sheer impossibility for a conceited and self-reliant person to gain wisdom. For such a person, even a fool has a better chance of gaining wisdom. But even for the fool, wisdom is a near impossibility. Thus, how much worse and how much less possible for the person who thinks himself to be wise in his own eyes. The second way to understand the logic of the proverb is that there are perhaps degrees of foolishness, and the foolishness at work in the first line is the person who presumptuously thinks he has laid hold of wisdom, when, in fact, he is a fool for even thinking such an idea. This is perhaps seen in Proverbs where the fool is to be punished so he can reform, such as in Proverbs 26, verse 3. And the fool is to be answered so that he does not become wise in his own eyes, Proverbs 26, verse 5. This hints at the possibility that there is hope for some fools, but apparently not for the deluded fool who esteems himself to already be wise and not in need of any additional knowledge and understanding, that is, wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear Yahweh and turn away from evil. One thing we can say about the fool who is wise in his own eyes is that he does not fear Yahweh. His egotistical and self-righteous attitude prevents him from submitting himself to the authority and rule of Yahweh. Perhaps in the book of Proverbs there is some possibility for the naive fool to learn wisdom, or potentially for the gullible fool, but apparently not for the deluded fool. I think that is because when someone thinks they have all the answers and that they think themselves already to be wise, there is no room for anything else. No additional insights, no understanding of prudent behaviors, no growing in discernment, or any other beneficial learning from wisdom. Let's take a moment to think about this. I bet we have all had times in our lives when we made the mistake of thinking we were wise in our own eyes. In reflecting on my own life, I can see instances of this issue cropping up during my young adult life. But I don't believe it, it's just me. I think that young people in general are more tempted to fall into this trap. It seems to be a universal tendency for teenagers and young adults to esteem their knowledge and understanding of the world as being far greater than it really is. Teenagers and young adults tend to think that they know everything and that older people, like myself and others, are stupid old fogies with outdated perspectives and who are out of touch with the newest trends, technology, language, and culture of the world. Now, the last part of that criticism might, in fact, be completely true. I will quickly acknowledge the reality that I don't keep up with the newest things happening in pop culture, current fashion, or even street lingo and slang terms. But I will definitely say that I don't think the wisdom and experience that comes with age 
necessarily entails outdated perspectives. I remember this one time when I was younger, maybe I was about 20 years old, and I was in my undergraduate studies in college, when I learned about a business venture opportunity that I thought was incredible. This business venture promised to allow me to single-handedly build a network by which I would be able to generate a constantly increasing revenue stream that would eventually become residual income in perpetuity if I reached a certain quota for a duration of time. Needless to say, some of you might know where I'm going with this. The business venture that I got involved in was a multi-level marketing company. You might know them as legalized pyramid schemes, where a person can receive a portion of credit or income from all the sales of the people below them that they got registered in the company. When I first learned about this company and got involved with them, I thought it was the greatest decision ever. I immediately explained the business model to my family and my friends, and any time they questioned the legitimacy of the company or the practicality of investing in this business venture, I acted like they didn't understand how great this opportunity was that they were passing up and why they were not supporting me. I was starstruck also by the people that I met who had become successful in this marketing business, and I thought I knew exactly how to achieve success like they did. Well, it didn't take me more than a year to realize that this marketing business isn't all that it appeared to be at first. Business paradigms like this usually don't turn out the way we think they will, and I believe it proves to be true that most people will often invest a lot more time and money than they will ever get back from it. Now, it is also true that certain people do achieve an extraordinary amount of success, but not as many as one might think. In the end, I thought I had all the answers on how to make a lot of money and retire early, and I refused to listen to my parents and some of my older friends who cautioned me about what I was getting myself into and kept telling me that I didn't see the whole picture or understand the nature of the beast. And they were right. I was being wise in my own eyes, and you couldn't talk sense into me no matter how hard you tried. You see, the one thing about wisdom is that it doesn't matter what era of history you live in, what country or region of the world you grew up in, or your family of origin. Wisdom applies equally to all walks of life, at any age, and wherever you are. And this is true because living with the fear of Yahweh, submitting to his rule and authority as the creator and king of the universe, and seeking to live according to his will and design for human flourishing, they are relevant and beneficial regardless of any other factor or circumstance in life. In order to illustrate this proverb, I'd like to read a story from the website godreports.com about an Alaskan bush pilot who was wise in his own eyes until something happened to him that would change his heart and life forever. The story goes like this. Raised in the secular 70s, completely unchurched, he had no room for God until he ran out of fuel in an Alaskan storm miles from his destination. I was a God mocker, says Mark Rose, founder of the Genesis Alive and author of The Last of the Long Hunters, a story of the pilots who fly the Alaskan Arctic. Rose learned to fly at 16 and by age 22 had become a bush pilot who helped take care of a fleet of helicopters that worked on the Alaska pipeline. 
My ego meter was on 101, he admits. One day he flew some hunters to the upper part of a large river on the Arctic. But on his return flight, carrying one passenger, several things went wrong. First, herds of caribou had moved in, covering his first and second choices for a landing spot. Then he began to run low on fuel, so he called ahead for a weather check at the small airport near Katsebu on the Baldwin Peninsula. Come on in, the weather's fine, the FAA flight service operator told him. He decided to take the chance his fuel would hold out. But then weather conditions changed dramatically. I ran into a snowstorm at night and I couldn't see the terrain, so I had to follow the gray ribbon of river below. In the days before satellite weather imaging, the man had given him bad advice. All my options were evaporating as fast as I could fly. Rose had several friends, fellow pilots, who perished in similar flying conditions. There must be a way out, he thought. I don't want to die at 22. I won't get to experience marriage. He had been flying on empty for 30 minutes. Then the engine started missing. I was just waiting for silence and to have to crash at night. His mind turned to his very last option. God. Rose had never prayed before, but in desperation, he lifted up a silent prayer. If there is a God... I need your help now. Then a voice spoke to him that was crystal clear. Son, you said the right thing. After he heard the voice, Rose also experienced the sensation of a light bulb that came on in his mind. Immediately after his prayer, the plane popped out of the snowstorm. Before me were the beautiful lights of Katsebu. It might as well have been the lights of heaven, he recalls. There was only one problem. He still had to fly another 20 miles over the Katsebu Sound, a broad expanse of salt water north of the Bering Sea. That was a breath holder, he says. When he landed safely at Katsebu Airport, his humanist worldview collapsed. There was no earthly reason his plane should have traveled such a distance with no fuel. Rose believes God added an hour of fuel to his tanks to save his life. When I landed, I was a different boy. I was not a Christian, but I was a believer in God. He thought about his grandmother, the only Christian in his family. So, Grandma was right. There is something out there, he thought. Rose started to date a Christian woman who challenged him to read the Bible for the first time. As he read the pages of Scripture, something surprising happened. I fell in love with the God of the Bible, his reasonableness his forgiveness, his justice, he recounts. But his stubborn heart was still not ready to make Jesus his Savior and Lord. Then he had another brush with death in a helicopter that crashed, which completely flattened the seat he rode in. About the same time, he missed a flight with some of the lead contractors for the Alaskan pipeline due to a schedule conflict. Shortly after the plane took off, it crashed, killing everyone on board. Later, on a flight to Fairbanks, on a Bush aircraft, he began to reflect on his life. I'm not happy. This whole thing is not working, he admitted to himself. Everything I read in the Bible is either a lie or it's true. It's all or nothing. From reading the Bible, I understand God is my creator. If Jesus can raise someone from the dead and forgive my sins, that's exactly what God has for me. At that moment, 
Rose surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. When I landed in Fairbanks, I was a different boy once again. This article is entitled, Atheist Pilot Mocked God Until He Ran Out of Fuel in a Snowstorm, and was written by Mark Ellis in February of 2014. In conclusion, the first thing we must remember, if we want to be wise, is that we always have more wisdom to gain, and we must be humble to acknowledge the current limitations in our understanding. Even if we may not know exactly what they are, they are still there. Also, we need to recognize how easy it is to be deceived if we quit listening to sound advice and good counsel from others. If we don't mind getting taken advantage of or making poor choices, then we should go right on ahead and plug our ears and keep our puffed up egos going strong. But if we want to live a good life where we succeed in our work and honor Yahweh and take care of our family and friends, then we need to gain wisdom. And the first thing we must remember is that we don't have it all, and we never will. If our proverbial cup is already full, then there's no room left for us to receive anything else. We should not be wise in our own eyes, but empty ourselves and become wise in the fear of Yahweh. This is the wisdom of the proverb. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Words of Wisdom podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be so appreciative if you would share this podcast with your friends. And if you have been blessed by this work, please consider supporting the podcast by clicking on the donation link in the description.